Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like it's all working right now. We've hit record everywhere. We, this this might be our most professionally done episode yet. Oh, you froze. Point point three is off to the races. <laughs> Welcome to Still Unsponsored. I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Zach. All right. Uh, yes, episode 36. And uh, like we've got it. a couple of things to talk about. Which you'll find out you when think. we talk about them. Plus the podcast. Yes, exactly. Hey, can I make a comment? Yes. So far, we are sticking to our New Year's resolution. I thought we were already one behind. What's the first week of the, the year? Okay. All right. Okay. You're right. You're right. And actually from listener perspective, uh, the listener uh, perspective, they would be correct because I think I published the New Year's episode actually on like the second. So Wait, so now we're ahead of schedule. We Well, we're recording it. It doesn't necessarily true. indicate when we're going to release That's true because you this. have to use your fancy yeah, yeah, exactly. audio. This is the thing. We, are, we, are, we have a schedule for recording. We release the episode when we feel like it. I have an idea. What's your idea? I have a plan. You have a plan? Okay. I have a plan. Generalized. Okay, so in preparation for this episode, Zach and I have started using Apple Notes and their collaboration. Well, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Okay. You're making this seem like it was a shared decision. Yeah, no. None of this is a shared decision. You, you, no, no. By you and me using and using apple notes it was you sharing a note thing with me i'm like okay cool right right yes exactly and so we have our like brainstormed ongoing topic list as a very thorough and then and then i used to create google docs for Mm -hmm. a show outline which kind of got the whole show outline thing a little bit down to a science now because it's actually part of my professional world now um, and you thought all this was random. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. This is really well executed and planned out dialogue. Well, what happens is the experiments show up here first. And then what happens is I, after I screw with it on still unsponsored, I go, hey, team, I have an idea. And then they figure out how to make it pro. So that's, oh, that's the progression of, uh, of things. Oh, there we go. So it's, uh, yeah, exactly. So anyway, we're we're using Apple Notes, and and we've discovered that Apple Notes is not real time. Like I don't think it was intended to be real time, but you and I both have spent at this point like way too much time in uh, Google Workplaces. Like I probably use Google Work, Work. What is it? Google Apps, Google Workplaces. What's the name Google of it this work, week? Work, Google Work. Work Google. Workspace. Google Work Studio. Work, 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 we should work, just work, like start work. merging them just to annoy the Google people. Um, but yeah, anyway, we've we've spent way too much time in there. I've probably spent more time using Google Office applications than I have Microsoft Office applications, although that's probably a tough call on Excel. Excel still is the is the king of the yeah. spreadsheets. But so. the killer app, which which this is my hot take that we were talking about pre-show. I think that Google Wave changed the world. It was so revolutionary, it was killed in a year. It, it was so re- revolutionary. Well, I think what happened is it was so revolutionary, they decided to make a whole office suite out of it. Because I remember I logging into Google Wave, into the beta, and going, wow, there's real-time editing here. Like, I can move stuff around, and the person on the other computer sees it, like, all real-time. 
this is uh, absolutely amazing. It's part of the... So uh, Google Wave was a piece of shit. Got it. All right, let's move on. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I mean, they made all the same promises that the Slack uh, team did, where it was going to eliminate email and revolutionize the workplace and all this kind of stuff. And I think a feature of it did, like that real-time office collaboration on a document is a killer app. Yeah, but that, Google Docs was around before Wave. I don't think so. Uh-huh, 100%. Or, well, okay, real-time Googling here. When did Google Docs come out? 100%. Oh, shit, are you right? Initial release, 2006. Of course I'm right. <laughs> do you know it's available in 100 languages? I do now. Okay, maybe it was the real-time editing that wasn't, like Google Wave had. Mm. Because back in the early days of Google Docs, it was just a cut-and-paste job of OpenOffice. Right, this is mm-hmm. it's coming back to me now. And so it, it wasn't very good. It was just like a browser version of op, open office. It was very like limited things you could do. But then mm. the real-time collaboration came up, came around and then it was like, oh, okay. And so like at this point, I don't know about you, but like most of my dashboards and like data processing that I do on a monthly basis is in Google Sheets because the ability to suck things yeah. in from external applications or between yeah. sheets yeah. is just, it's just awesome. I don't really use Microsoft anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't even use Excel. I don't. I don't. I don't need to run any crazy macros or anything. So it's not really a big reason to use Excel. It pains me to hear this, Zach, because I don't know if you're really living if you're not spending time in Excel. I guess one could could argue otherwise. Hmm. You're not really living unless you get free of the shackles of Excel. No, 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 no. If, if we discover the meaning of life, it'll be the output of a really complicated formula. <laughs> or, or hell known as Apple numbers. <laughs> yeah, fuck that thing. <laughs> and I hate how it's like you go to open a CSV or something and your computer's like, yeah. you want to use Apple numbers? Apple and I'm numbers. like, that is the last thing I want to use. I would rather use Notepad than Apple yeah. numbers. <laughs> yeah. And then High for whatever product. reason, they're hung up on the like page view layout. Like every time you open Apple numbers, it's like, this is what it would look like on a letter piece of paper. I'm like, who prints their spreadsheets? People use Apple numbers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I see. I touched a nerve there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you did. So, so Apple just released this new app too on this, on this, on this topic called Freeform. Yeah. Which I was like, cool, neat, right? Because I can use it on my iPad. Yeah. You can't paste an image in. Really? It doesn't copy over. I'm not even kidding you. So on the topic of the real-time stuff, I would do things on my iPad, look at it on my computer, and it would be like well, like what we're seeing here with the Apple Notes. It's can you good, edit on your computer? I haven't used this too much. Uh, yeah, you can edit on your computer. Okay. You, you can do everything that you could on, your, on an iPad. Okay. Um, but like I literally, I can show you right now. I can get my well, iPad somewhere else. But um, literally, take a picture, drop it in. doesn't show up on my board on a freeform. Like, there's some serious major kinks that are still working out. Yeah, so they're doing... What you're saying is Apple's starting to do the Microsoft thing where they're, like, getting to market a little bit too fast. Like, Freeform does did strike me as a little bit of an experiment, like kind of a little hobby project. Yeah. Kind of like Google what, Wave. One note? 
one note one note i mean that's what freeform reminds me of is one note really very Just, i mean a super basic version of it but yeah it, ironically i know apple people that are one note fans <laughs> OneNote's not a bad product. I've used it. I, I used it all throughout uh, school. Really? Not a okay. Bad product. Yeah. I- interesting. Um, I'm searching the Apple App Store right now for Freeform, and it is not coming up. The App Store on my desktop. So maybe I mm, am missing weird. something here. Did you? Oh, did you upgrade to whatever the latest one is? Uh, Ventura. Mm, it's. Nope. (laughs) 13.1. I need to do Found the problem. Found the problem. Well, okay. So speaking of computer problems, the other thing that I had to do today is I had to not just delete applications, but I had to like go into their, go into the hidden folders and find the like app library support and like kill those. And so that's the other thing that I think that Apple's never quite figured out is the uninstall process for an application because it's like you delete the application, but it doesn't take care of the mess that the application made. Yeah. Well, there's like the the registry on Windows. Like you install apps on Windows and you still have to go through the right. Well, it's been about 10 years since I've used Windows, but you still have to go through and yeah. edit the registry and clear out all those keys and everything if you want to truly remove something. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Are we done with this topic other than? I think so. Yeah. I mean, we're a fan of Google stuff in this instance and Apple is trying to catch up. I do like the collaboration coming to Apple Notes because the simplicity of Apple Notes and the way that it works across all my devices is, I mean, yeah. it killed Evernote for me. Yeah. So. I could never get into that. But anyways, yes. Oh, I probably still have a massive like multi gigabytes of, of Evernote files from. I'm sure you can find notes in there. Yeah. Yeah. Read, read my agenda items for meetings that happened 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I really need to follow up on this. Uh, (laughs) What's wrong with you? Deliver me the sale. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Nothing's changed. Uh, Not in the agenda, but just as an aside, I uh, have you been following any of the TCPA or um, any of the like new SMS regulation or things that carriers or Twilio is doing? You were starting to mention that to me last week off 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 the uh, off the microphones and how Twilio is starting to clamp down on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it's kind of an interesting series of events because it, at the highest level, it does seem a lot like email, right? Where email was the wild west, and then a bunch of anti-spam mechanisms, you know, were born. Uh, a little company called Barracuda. <laughs> uh, Barracuda. You know, and then there was a bunch of regulation, like ultimately like the can spam stuff and you have to have unsubscribe yeah. and you need to say who you're from. And, you know, there's still a lot of freedom and who you can email, uh, email with email. Um, but yeah. Email and, email. and so the plot arc is similar, but in a slightly like more rearranged way for uh, SMS. And I think it's a little bit because of the maybe the tools that were available, but, you know, Twilio, when they were founded in 2008, and then when I, I guess, heard about them in, like, 2012, TechCrunch Disrupt, um, you know, there was, like, a slow burn between that and, you know, maybe 2021 or something like that when SMS, like, really blasted off. SMS for marketing, like, really blasted off. And 
Mm-hmm. No? I think it probably depends on what industry you're what in. What industry you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. Well, I think it I think it took off like during the pandemic. Like really took off. Like I saw SMSs before that, but then it was like everything is kind of moving towards SMSs. And it, and it's like pretty obvious because the open rate is nearly 100% like, you know, just it's 90 I think it's like 97%. Yeah. Right. Right, exactly. Um well, and largely because the none of the OSs had the ability to like filter or ignore or report spam and so yeah, there was none of that. And there was a little bit of, um, there was like TCPA, which is regulation saying basically you have to have a person's permission to opt them in, which probably slowed down the adoption on the marketing side. But that didn't stop a bunch of bad actors. And so I think that, you know, over 2021 and 2022, there were a bunch of data breaches, which, you know, exposed millions of phone numbers. And then the scammers, spammers, bad guys went to town sending these messages. And it forced the carriers now to not kind of rely on regulation to keep it keep the noise down but now oh shit we actually need to do something and so the carriers rolled out a bunch of new regulations and then twilio wanting to stay kosher with carriers has been enforcing that on uh, on their customers and so that's basically like where now it's kind of come full circle for me because it's like this is a product that not only do I use as a marketer, but I, ha- I provide to my customers and I got to keep them safe. And so we're adding, you know, a opt out message every 30 days for them. And we're adding uh, basically the intro message has to start with, hey, it's from this. And, you know, I think the message I've been saying to those guys is basically or to our customers is it's like the unsubscribe link. It's almost a mark of credibility. And if you don't yeah. have it, then, you know, people are going to look negatively on you. Plus, it's not a bad thing to say who you are in the first message. Come on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. But de- again, it depends on what your what your needs are. Because, uh, yeah, there's some less than uh, less than good people out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which, you know, I don't again, I you're. N equals one, which is, you know, me looking at my own messages, but a lot of the spam has stopped, like a lot of it. And so, and that course corresponded with maybe it was a little bit before even, but like Twilio coming to us and saying, you know, Hey, you need to add these things to your product. Otherwise, like yeah. we're going to start blocking your customer messages. Yeah. So cool. Cool. I got nothing else to add to that. Nothing else to add. All right. Well, thank you, Zach. Chris, you last week were hinting yes. at a anomaly in the like the Zach household consumer price index. It's, a, it's an inflation hack. I, I have to to say this. Okay, well, tell uh, us about the inflation hack that you've come up with. Yeah, all those meal kits—they're back in action, man. So we're uh, talking so, like Blue Apron and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and all of them have really aggressive intro offers and everything. So you can really uh, take advantage of some really good intro pricing uh, for quite a long time. Um, so, like, for example, I think we got a package. It's just my wife and I, but we got, uh, I think, four meals for 80 bucks for each of us. So eight meals total for 80 bucks. Which yes, on the on the surface that sounds really expensive and crazy. However, look at what's happening with all the pricing today at the grocery store. I mean, if we went out, we've done this before. We've gone, you know, to 
Whole Foods and picked up some salads and that type of thing. It's like 50 bucks, no matter what. Some wraps are like $10. It's, uh, if, you're, no if you're getting like ready-to-eat meals. Not even ready-to-eat meals, though. It's so easy to stack up and weigh up at like the, the salad bar, <laughs> right? You throw in some lettuce, oh, it's a pound. It's 10 bucks. Um, or the wraps and the rolls and that type of thing. Those are all $8, $9, $12. So, um, yeah, we've been pretty happy with it. Um, meal hacking. And so, not meal hacking, just just meal boxing. And all of them are still, like, they're all crazy competitive because they're all commoditized. So, like, you literally can go through and rotate, you know, I'll do four weeks at Blue Apron, four weeks at HelloFresh, four weeks at whatever, Green Shop, I think, is one. Um, and the way they work is interesting, at least right now, the marketing thing is, okay, your first box is heavily discounted. Hmm. Then your second box is a little less. Then your third, you know, it's like you have seven so boxes. So easing you into it. Uh-huh. And then they've also started to gamify these things, too, which I haven't quite figured out how to get around yet or get into, but... Um, Every like third box, they'll get like a raffle prize or some sort of extra special bonus. And hmm. yeah, they're they're gamifying it now to kind of keep people in it and reduce their churn. So um, yeah, I, I don't know how it works out for a larger family. I, I'm guessing if it's if you're not just a you know single couple, it probably is not as cost effective. But yeah, from our standpoint, we're actually saving money by using this thing, and the food's actually like legit. So. Uh, do you have any idea how they fulfill that? Like, is it coming from a local? Well, I think they first fulfill it. They don't fulfill it. Okay. Uh, so that's key number one. <laughs> you're, you're... I had to. Come on. I had yeah. to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're never going to change the way that I pronounce that word. No, I'm not. Uh, I'll and tell you not, this. Not what because it... I'm not listening. Well, wait, hang on. Not because I'm not listening to you. No, I'm not listening to you. you. You correct me and then I instantly brain dump like what you, what you said. Yeah. I figured. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Okay. So what is interesting, because we're getting different ones now, we kind of rotate them in because they have, they definitely have different varieties and recipes. So what's interesting is seeing how they package and ship these things out. Mm. Um, so like Blue Apron, for example, now you open the package, everything's just thrown in there. It's like a hodgepodge. There's no organization. It's like dump. So clearly on their end, on their fulfillment area, they clearly are just using some sort of machine and just, you know, lobbing them in there and, and calling it a day. Whereas with like, um, I think a green chef or hello fresh or whatever they are, everything's individually like packaged. So you have like a bag of your recipe and all your ingredients and everything is there ready to go. And so if you say, Hey, I want you know, fish tonight, the fish recipe that we're eating. Cool. You take out your piece of fish and you have a little kitchen, you know, lunch bag ready to go. Um, the shipping boxes are also very interesting. Um, I think it was uh, the, the the cooling gel or something. Some of them are like horrible for the environment, mm -hmm. <laughs> like real bad. And the other one's like eco-friendly, bio, you throw it down the sink if you want. Hmm. You just cut a hole and throw it down the sink. So it is interesting seeing the differences in how they actually ship these boxes out. Um, I think they have many different fulfillment facilities. And so um, I've noticed that a lot of them are coming from like southeast obviously because i'm in florida um so there's some sort of facility out in like atlanta georgia area somewhere around there this was going to be my question which is like because i know you played with this when you were in austin and so have you stopped started be since in my since you are in miami right so i guess my first question was has the has the way that the packaging has changed with blue apron been different 
while you were in Miami or is that like a different fulfillment center? And can you see in your tracking information, like where it's coming from? Is it different? I think you can. Yeah, I think. So again, what's crazy interesting is some of them have, I think it's like HelloFresh. They have their own delivery service. So they're using a courier or something else. So they have their own tracking codes, their own tracking systems. And we were getting them legit dropped off to our front door. Uh, like someone would come into the building, drop it off to the front, in our door, I mean, our apartment door, yep. versus just going to the shipping room. Um, and then like Blue Apron, I think, is actually just through the mail. They're just, it's just like a FedEx situation. Um, in terms of the differences, I don't know. I don't remember. It's, it was a while ago. Like we stopped it because we literally in our house didn't have an oven that worked. So uh, it was kind of hard to make recipes with no oven. So I don't know what it's been like in the past year, but I have, I'm interested to see um, what, is turning into right now. It's just, it's, it's very interesting. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I'm sure inflation is going to catch up to it eventually. And I'm sure they'll raise the prices, but so far we've been able to legit like save money, which is kind of crazy. This is, um, so basically what, what you're saying is it's an inflation hack. If you are the guy causing churn, uh, because basically what you're saying is bounce between the vendors and you can keep taking advantage of their introductory offers. Yeah. Which combat, probably inflating prices. So if you just stuck yeah. with one for years, you would probably see the price passed on to the consumer. Probably. Yeah. They Fair must like line. have a have a like target cost per box. And so I mean here's the other oh, thing I'm that you I'm sure could, they do. I'm sure they do. Uh so I guess where I was going to see that say that manifest is like the quantities would differ right so if you were if you had a diet where you were trying to hit like x number of grams of protein this probably would be difficult for you because it would vary box to box and then the other thing to combat inflation they just might be shrinking portion sizes like keeping their price the same but shrinking the, the quantity be. ship i mean yeah it could be if you're trying to get a certain macro in there yeah that's a little bit harder but if you are doing like a diet, one of them does like keto or paleo or Mediterranean, like they, they load it up and obviously my allergies, they can work around that. So I don't know, but it is interesting seeing, we were making the joke with one of them. I forgot which one it was, but we're not going to be using them again because everything was like chicken and potato, fish and potato, beef and potato. It was like, all right, guys, we get, we get it. We get it. Like you roast some potatoes. You throw some sauce on it and you cook up some chicken. Cool. Like, So yeah. I could be into that you, you because know. my thing that I just started was I started doing like a whole week's worth of meal prep. So mm. go to Costco, get 15 pounds of protein and cook Nothing it. Nothing weird there. Cook yeah, it all there. at once and then make all of my lunches and dinners all in one shot on Sunday evening. And then just eat them throughout the week. And I I think that, you know, like I obviously like on Fridays and on the weekends, I like to go out and, you know, eat out and stuff like that. But the one of the things that I've noticed is like I was doing this to hit a certain macro profile. But mm. the unintended consequence is the the low uh, mental burden of what am I going to eat? Right. So. I don't ever think about when I'm doing this, I don't ever think about like, Oh, do I have any food in the house? Like, what am I going to eat? Like, what's, what is it going to, you know, it's like, Oh, I go to the fridge. I pick the thing. I put it in the microwave 
and three minutes later, I'm eating. It's it's just yeah. easy. Well, that's and, why I like these too, because that we ran into the same problems. Like, what are we yeah. eating? Let's go to Whole Foods and grab something for dinner. Right. And you're like, Ugh. right. Uh, is that thing still around in Austin? What's it called? Uh, Snap Kitchen. Did that yeah. die a death? Uh, I think it's still around. My information well, might be three months old, two. but yeah. Because uh, that was yeah, Factor Seventy Five is one of those. I, by the way, don't don't do that one. That one was not very good. Um, yeah, so it's in Austin. That's right. So that's kind of what you're doing, Chris. They're doing like the meal prep for you, which throw it in the microwave and good to go. So if you want to be totally lazy, you could do that. But that is definitely not for the budget saving. Right. Well, my way also happens yeah. to be budget saving because you yeah. get you get yeah. your, you know, your 15 pounds of meat, whatever, and then you know a Costco size pack of uh, Brussels sprouts yeah. and broccoli. Yeah. And you cook all of that at once, meter it out into 10 portions, and then bam. You know, and it's... Um, you meter it out. Yeah. I mean, it's... I haven't gotten tired got tired of this, like, dish until, like, here on Friday, where I'm kind of like, I would sort of like something else. Uh, but it's taken all week. It's like, it's taken... I'm going to ta- drink a whole bunch of whiskey, a whole bunch of wine. I mean, fried KFC, Popeyes, Popeyes, that's what it is. Popeyes, nothing but Popeyes. It's, Am I uh, far off? Am I far off? Oh, what for my something else? Yeah, for your something else, Popeyes and, and wine. Oh yeah, so it, this is this is a like, I mean you you've talked occasionally about Bachelor Zach, you know like, Chris left to his own devices, like you just leave him alone for a weekend, it's like stop one, Popeyes spicy chicken, stop well, no no sorry that's stop two, <laughs> stop one, is uh, some like, you know. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, you know, Kim Crawford yeah. or similar, similar quality. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, you know, basically I will uh, turn on Netflix and drink a bottle of wine and eat a family portion of spicy chicken. And, uh, and then day two, avoid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. not the wine that does you in. <laughs> no. I was the one to other wing stop place. Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, All right, I think we beat this one. I think we're good. All right, cool. Okay, so this was another note similar to to Apple, you know, whatever. So in the last episode, we mentioned that I had a M2 iPad now and was kind of doing prosumery things on it, you know, editing podcasts, uh, editing video, and I edited our last two episodes on the iPad. And this is essentially what I've learned is the iPad does not like interacting with network drives. So I store like my workflow is essentially like I take what we record and I put it on my NAS. And that just gives me a a way to store it. And if I was editing it under my normal workflow, then I would just use GarageBand on my desktop and leave the files in the NAS. The iPad does not seem to like that at all. And the interesting thing is it doesn't give you any really feedback on why it's not liking it. It just doesn't work. So that's kind of frustrating. Uh, but anyway, you... Okay. Are you... I mean, those files going to be pretty decently sized. So They're like, not are you that big. They're, we're talking about like 600 megabytes of files, something like that. Well, yeah, but if you're over Wi-Fi, that's still a good chunk of... You know what you should do is buy one of you should use the USB C uh, Ethernet and see if it does anything different. That might be an interesting question. But the thing that's annoying mm-hmm. is 
uh, iOS doesn't give you any feedback on what's happening. Like, is it a slow transfer rate or is it not communicating well? Or like, what is it? Like on a desktop, you'd see like, okay, we're trying to, uh, we're trying to transfer the file and it's just going slow or it's not happening or the, the server's not responding. Yeah, um, but iOS is, or sorry, iPad OS was never really designed for that though. Correct. Correct. I mean, and the so, other thing that iPadOS doesn't like is, you know, when you set up a Synology NAS, it's like my NAS.local is kind of the, instead of using an IP address, you can use like that custom localized domain name, whatever that's called. You, the the iPadOS does not seem to like that at all. Um, it prefers the IP address. Once you put the IP address in there, then it's happy. But that hung me up for a while. So you work around that by just, transferring the files locally that was my suspicion yeah. that if you if you use the ethernet adapter i bet you your problem would go away i bet you there's a serious issue with the speed of the transfer okay and so latency and everything else your ipad's freaking the f out i will i will attempt to solve this problem but the whole point of editing from the ipad is that i don't have to be in my office i can just be like on the couch drinking coffee and or Kim Kim Crawford, dry January. So, oh okay, yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> so not today. Um, right. Yeah, hey, I'll figure out where the where the network drop in the in the living room is. And oh, I was gonna say the one under your foot right there. I happen to know is dead. <laughs> I think it's very dead if I remember correctly. With a sad face. Uh, <laughs> With a sad face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah. quite dead. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you get the files local on the iPad, and then you've got to edit using, you know, GarageBand or there's a tool called Ferrite, which is the, seems to be the other big like podcast editor. You can't use um, like Anchor. So Anchor is where we host our podcast, and they've got a bunch of free tools that are kind of useful, but not not for what I was trying to do. Um, in fact, like the app just didn't want to, didn't want to play with those. It would just lock up. No chooch. Um, no yeah, no, no chooch. In fact, I did a race where I, well, this is at the end uploading, so I'll get to that. Uh, but Ferrite seems to be a great tool for editing, but not necessarily for mastering audio. And GarageBand seems to be workable for mastering audio, but has a bunch of like weird UI things. Like it's very much designed for musicians. So hmm. there's a bunch of little things you have to remember to do when you're starting an edit like say automatically extend the length of the song to encompass the the length of the files that you deposit in there right otherwise it'll say like oh your song is eight bars long and that's it <laughs> it's kind of like it's a deposit deposit yes deposit deposit um and then there's just a bunch of like weird UI elements. And so this this is actually my feedback, which is like, how do you, there's clearly a problem of going for, from a desktop prosumer app into an iPad app and figuring out where all those elements go and then yeah. making it all work. Because then there's a follow-on thing of there's bugs. Like sometimes when you make a cut in a track and then you try and delete, it's like, you, I can see the cut, I can separate the tracks, but if I select one, so I, you have to do this weird workaround where it's like I do the cut and then I select off the tracks and then I come back and select the, the snips that I want to delete and then I can delete them. But 
Which is, a, is so is that is that what was it called? Fair Fairmount? What was Fairite. it? Fair, Fairite? Yeah. Is that on iPad and Mac? Uh I don't know if or it's on Mac. I think it's an on. iPad dedicated. Interesting. Yeah. I was gonna say, because if they're trying to like merge the two, then yeah, I could see where those things might be a little funky. But if it's a dedicated app, it's kind of weird. So GarageBand is going from desktop to yes. iPad. Yes. Yes. Ferrite's not. So there's another application, like minor minor shift here. There's another application for video editing called uh, Luma Fusion, and that thing is the shit. Uh, mm-hmm. That thing is it made is, by ByteDance? Uh, no, but it is better. It is like Final Cut Pro level stuff, but like is only for iOS. Hmm. So it's kind of weird that like when I look at, okay, I'm going to edit something. Is it going to be just like a quick edit for iMovie or do I need to go get my iPad so I can do a professional job? Yeah, it's kind of a weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of a weird. <laughs> right. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And then once you're completed and you've exported the files, you obviously got to move all the files back to the back to the NAS and then do the upload. Um, and then that's kind of the funny thing where it's like I opened up Anchor's app and then I opened up Anchor in a browser window and and hit upload at the same time. And like of the five attempts I made in the app, they all failed. And then hmm. the browser one just did it in the first time, like super fast, and there was no limitation. So I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there with the Anchor app, but just doing a traditional upload via browser works great. So cool. Yeah. So, so. do you think the iPad is truly ready for what you call it, prosumer? Prosumer. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think if you were born into iPad world, I, I have a couple things to say about this. I think if you're born into iPad world, the answer is yes. Um, like if you didn't have okay. legacy experience. Um, okay. I think that similar to the evolution of traditional applications, getting the UI right and sharing common things like, hey, there's a click here for files, edit, you know, view window thing at the top. You know, mobile applications don't have that. And so they all hide things in weird spots. And frequently I'll find myself Googling, you know, GarageBand, how do I, you know, change the EQ on blank? And it's like, oh, yeah, no, you just had to click this and then that and then this and then that one. And then it's right there. And it's like, okay, well, I never would have found that on my own. Yeah, Um, They they buried it. Um, Same thing with LumaFusion where it's like, hmm. Okay, that icon didn't really make sense to me, and I never would have guessed that it's buried deep down under there. But now that I'm looking at it, the feature set is awesome, <laughs> right? Uh, I just couldn't find it. Hmm. I was gonna say, oh yeah, yeah. Well, let's not dwell. There, that is, there's some interesting thoughts I have from that from a UI perspective. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's talk about the main topic. The main topic, which we were basically grossly negligent for not discussing this in the last meeting. Meeting. Uh, Let me circle back on this. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna circle back and double click on Chat GPT. We need like our own. You know what we need is like a segment. Here we go, Mister Audio Editor. We need a segment for Chat GPT. So every time we talk about it, we could say Chat GPT. How much have you played with ChatGPT? 
two seconds. Two seconds. What did you do? And half of it was half of that two seconds was trying to sign up for it because it was not easy. <laughs> uh, well, and depending on when you were trying to do it, it might have been overloaded. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. So, what what were your thoughts? Um. Sorry, it's late in the day for me. Um. I go to bed like five o'clock now. <laughs> Florida. I I see the technology super promising. Um. It's still not like ready for prime time yet. I'm also really interested to see what happens because uh, I just read this morning actually that they're exploring an IPO. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. So. What did you What did you do? Like when you say they're not ready for prime time. Well, for example. Um, Someone on my team earlier today was was asking at some things for like um, some support, like some like can we use this for support for my copywriting stuff? I'm like, all right, let's give it a try. And like it spits out stuff that sounds good, but it's actually full of shit half the time. Yes, yes. So I should give my standard disclaimer of like if you want to get really excellent information on this, you should go listen to Stratechery. Uh, ben Thompson did an interview where he talked about that, and that is called hallucination. So where you'll ask it, because you can ask it to do math, to write programs, to, you know, like do a bunch of really complicated stuff. And it will give you an answer that seems right, that like kind of passes the, does this, you know, kind of look right? But then the answer will be wrong. And they call that hallucinating. So the AIs hallucinate. Yeah, I guess what I'm... I, I make the joke, and I think I mentioned it. Like to me, Google prints money. Like mm-hmm. Google has been printing money for the better part of the last two decades, and I think they're saying that this is their their code red, right? Like this is the code red moment for Google. Yeah. Um, I mean, imagine just attaching this open AI stuff and ChatGPT to the interwebs with a good crawler. They got a big problem on their hands. Now, how they monetize this, I don't know. But I'm sure someone could figure that out. Um, we should see what industries get kind of wiped out very quickly. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's walk through this. So I I guess my reaction is that the writing is good enough and it's, it's notable in it, in its way that you can like ask it follow-up questions. So I don't know if it's like passing the Turing test, but that's not really the point. It's not trying to convince you that it's human. It's just trying to give you answers and, you know, or, or fulfill your request. Uh, (laughs) and I think it does a good job of that. A surprisingly good job. And so, you know, I spent a Saturday afternoon, you know, drinking some good wine with friends and, asking chat GPT questions and, you know, we went on this whole thing like, well, let's ask it medical advice, you know, let's, let's ask it. And, you know, it'd have answers. So I'm like, well, let's ask it some first aid advice. Be like, Oh my God, I got an arrow stuck in my arm. Like, what do I do? You know? And it's like, well, you should probably seek some medical attention. I'm a chat bot, you know? Um, but it's, and then it's like, but you should probably, you know, like put pressure on it and wrap it up or whatever. And you're like, great. Okay. That's, that's good. But make that bullet points. And then it'd make it bullet points. Be like, well now, 
make it into a song. I, I would like you to make this into a song uh, so it's easier to remember. And then it'll do it. Be like, well, give me a, a like a piano score for that and it'll do it. You know, and then it's like, actually, you know what? I think this whole thing needs to be a poem. Like, and you can talk to it like that and it does the thing. And so I think that part was the part that kind of like, it was like, oh, wow. It will instantly transform this thing into like different modes in a way that like a human couldn't, right? So I've already used it for brainstorming where I'll go in and I'll just like start asking it questions. Be like, well, you know, but yeah, maybe I don't want it like this. Maybe I want it like that. But, you know, change the tone. Like, I don't don't want, I want you to be less optimistic. I like, I want you to be more pessimistic, less on, you know, and it it will, it will do the thing. Um, I I don't know. I, I thought it was very, very, very cool. And I, when I first was like, you know, when I was first introduced to it and I saw it and heard about what it was doing and saw the speed that, that it could do is like, well, it's a matter of time until one of us marketers writes a recursive script that goes through keywords and gets like a, you know, 2000 word thing per whatever, and then starts spitting it out. And Google says that they're going to banish that kind of, that kind of content. But I don't understand how they would know, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, that they didn't update earlier this or sorry, last year that kind of targeted a lot of this, a lot Um, of AI content. Yeah. mm -hmm. There's a tool out there that I was just looking into, which actually does like AI detection. Mm. And there's something off the, off the try to get up. It's just, uh, I think it's the guys did like niche pursuits. Those guys, like, I think one of them spun off something. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you can tell if it's AI or not. I, I don't know. It's almost like, uh, again, this is like really out there, but you know how like printers, they have like microscopic like IDs on them so that the government can track where something comes from. Yeah. It's almost like they need something like that with ChatGPT. Like there's a, a marker. There's something somewhere that's like a marker that says, oh, this is AI created or something I don't you, know. You, what you're saying is we need shazam for uh for ai is this ai yeah is this ai uh <laughs> which is using ai to determine if it's ai right yeah exactly what it decides to <laughs> lie blow. to you um right exactly yeah so you know my my theories or my my thoughts were like okay so it's depending on how well google could detect ai but and even in the Stratechery interview, it came up like, well, it's, what if someone, they framed it as an accident. And I'm like, it won't be an accident. A marketer will do it on purpose. Like, what if someone releases mm-hmm. this on the internet? Mm-hmm. And it basically just like, it it starts exponentially increasing the amount of content on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. So Google could not just, not only be looking at at death because now there's a better, more native language search engine that will provide me like perfectly chewed information back to me. Although uh, who knows where, where it actually came from or how valid it is. Right. Right. But it also could just destroy Google's ability to churn through the internet, either by like dosing Google or by creating so much content that like the search results are now even more loaded with made for SEO garbage. And so the users don't like the Google search results anymore. It's an interesting idea. It's almost, I wonder, uh, I mean, isn't there like, a, if you think ahead, there's, I wonder if there's like a, like a future job called like 
fact finder, researcher, verification, or AI yeah. <laughs> verification. I don't know. Something out there. Because, I mean, if these things start, I mean, obviously they're going to keep progressing and continuing. It's going to sound real, real fast. <laughs> and what it tells you and what, you know, Susan crosses, like most people, when they Google something, they take it at its heart. Like you and I are obviously, and the one listener we have listening to this can probably realize that Google is just a robot algorithm doing its thing. Mm -hmm. But people will say, oh, I saw this on the internet, so it's got to be true. And we joke about these people, but they exist. Right. So imagine unleashing the current state of ChatGPT to these folks. But then imagine the broader, like bigger population where, oh, actually 50% of the time, it's actually pretty good. Or 70% of the time, it's actually really good. And so people start assuming and taking it at its word. And then suddenly you run into the same problem where this is real because it tells me. And then. So imagine the a dystopian future over. where your uh -oh. Facebook feeds. So your, mm -hmm. your Facebook feed is, it's, it is trying to make human foie gras, which instead of grain, it's shoving down reels. Uh, <laughs> just, just picture that you're, you're the yeah. goose, right? Uh, <laughs> um, but instead of content that other people have produced, it's AI generated content for you. Mm -hmm. And that's just, then you have this sort of like allegory of the cave type thing where it's like, what's real anymore? Because I gave a signal at some point that I'm interested in this or that. And now that is all I see. And it's different from what other people see. Like I am, it, I'm not watching Netflix anymore. I'm watching like Netflix AI generator for Chris, you know, that's like different. Yeah. You know, it, that that's, yeah. Well, my other question is how long before it gets shut down? Just AI becomes illegal? Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the, I think it was uh, New York City schools, of course, people are going to do this, but they already said no AI. How? How do you? I, I don't know. I don't know. If but Google can't know. detect an AI, how is a third grade, sorry, a ninth grade teacher going to detect AI? Like, and... Think about the essays that you wrote in ninth grade. Like, I could open up, okay, write me. I bet you if you open up OneNote, you probably have some in there. <laughs> Evernote, you mean. Or uh, Evernote, Evernote, sorry, Evernote, yeah. On. Are you saying that, that ChatGPT I'm, is I'm in ChatGPT right now. Theater? Like, write me an essay on the Odyssey by Homer. I'm sorry, I can't let you do that, Chris. Right. Now, the Odyssey is an epic poem written by the ancient Greek poet Homer. It tells the story of Greek hero Odysseus and his 10-year journey home after the fall of Troy. Blah, 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 blah. But, like, they would be like, Chris, you didn't write this because there's not enough spelling and grammatical mistakes. Right. So should I follow it up with, like, now introduce spelling and grammatical mistakes to make it seem like my writing? Make it sound like I'm a ninth grader. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what it does. Yeah, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this thing works. It's very impressive, especially since it's just starting. I mean, it, when they combine that with Dali, right? To your point, to right? Your point, like, yeah, yeah. I, I think that I, I think that I won at Instagram actually because what I did is I created a, uh, I did a post 
by Lenza, and then which is like a AI generated portrait with caption written by Chat GPT, and you know so that's that's the other thing which is like you know Instagram thinks that it's got spam problems, you know wait till it's like AI art and AI generated, you know uh, thing, and it, basically the only way that they'd be able to tell it's not human is by like the rate that it gets published, which is a like that tug of war lasts two seconds because it's like they rate limit and then the person writing the script adds a random delay and then bam, doesn't work anymore. <laughs> right. Something's happening. I'm not sure if you could hear that or not, but something just fell. Do I need to play the music so we can get out of here? Uh, give more thoughts well, on chat. I need more time to see what's coming out. Because like in the in the publishing space, AI stuff's been around for the last couple of years. So you could use it to spin up content. You could use it to write ad text for you. Yep. You know, Grammarly, I don't know what's behind the scenes there, but that's like somewhat, they got something going on there behind the scenes. That's yep. not just a spell check, grammar check. There's something happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent see, like, of Grammarly. What, we, we've talked about I know, this. We, we, I think we talked yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what the monetization plan is for OpenAI. And I guess that's the the thing. Like, you know, how do they train models? How do they do all stuff? It'll be interesting to see what happens to, like, you brought up medical stuff. Right. Like, this is probably what Watson wanted to be from IBM. You put the right models and data sets on there, you probably could do some really cool stuff. Right. So um, ChatGPT, you know, maybe just to throw this fact at you and see if you heard this, but it's there's human uh, there's humans in the loop. So hmm. they will run queries and then humans will look at it and give guidance. So like basically all works of humanity went in is <laughs> like the data set. And then yeah. humans looked at the response because the cautionary tale was remember Microsoft did that that chat bot that they released on Twitter and it I think what they said is the mistake that Microsoft had made is all of the conversations that the chatbot was having or was it was seeing around it got integrated into the data set and it would keep learning. And so basically mm. it it in the space of 24 hours became incredibly racist and anti-Semitic. <laughs> because that's what it was observing on Wait, Twitter. Wait, was that Microsoft or someone else? I, thought, was, I, I thought, thought it was, was Microsoft. No, it was Facebook. Was it Facebook? Well... It, it was it was Facebook with uh, yeah with research medical stuff or something yes it was Facebook Meta uh, yeah <laughs> yes yeah so <laughs> um, it's learning so I think that it's like the two things are it's like there's humans in the loop and it's not like it's not trying to learn from its own questioning or its own you know production right yeah. which in version two how does it not or once it's released into pro- into the wild how does it unless it remembers everything that's ever written. I mean, these are crazy questions that, yeah. But we still don't have self-driving cars. We still, well, I mean, that's a, that is maybe a harder problem and also is a, like, a uh, life-threatening problem. Hey, this could be life-threatening too. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the other thing. type in, I have a crossbow in my freaking face, what do I do? Nothing. (laughs) Lay down and relax. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I think that's the other thing for people to understand because I've had a couple conversations where 
where people are like, well, wow, but would I trust it to like, you know, disarm my security system or like something like IOT, you know, or like real world related. And I think that people need to understand that this is a chat bot. It is an AI right. chat bot. Like Tesla's autopilot is a driver. It is an AI driver. You're not going to ask your AI driver to write you an essay about Homer, right? And you would not ask the chat bot to drive your car. Like those yes. are sort of maybe in the future, there'll be two different subroutines, but like I wouldn't, I mean, it'd be kind of a f hilarious thing to do, but I wouldn't like put stuff into chat GPT and then based off the textual response written, written in native language, do something like with a, you know, with a raspberry Chris, Pi. Again, it's because you have a brain. Well, yeah. Okay. You have to remember <laughs> again, if it's on the internet. It's gotta be true. Like that's, that's the fact you have to worry about. <laughs> Maybe what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll like, this is, this is what I could do to like get a response out of open AI be like, here's, I, I have a pile of oily rags and I have a, uh, lighter that a, a raspberry Pi controls. And then I have a program that queries chat GPT and based off criteria I get back, there's the raspberry Pi program that looks at like, if I got the response that says burn the house down, then trigger the house fire, right? Just as a like, it wasn't me. It was the AI. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, right. So. Yeah, this is exciting stuff. I I think we need more time to play with it. I think just, I need more time to play with it. I think it'll be interesting to see what industries start getting impacted. It'll be interesting to see how OpenAI starts monetizing if they open up the API. Cool. Um, more so, more so. Meaning like, okay, when you're talking to your chat rep yeah is it is it a person or is it ai well yeah i think that's the first industry it's going to disrupt is support customer like, service will will yeah. need less customer service which yeah yeah could also do it to sales too because imagine a chatbot being really persuasive front frontline sales yeah interesting interesting idea In inbound I sales man inbound sales <laughs> yeah um, what, what was I going to say to that? Uh, will you buy the stock? If they, if they, IPO. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah. If it's publicly traded, yeah, I would. My, so my long answer is longer term answer is yes. My shorter term answer yeah. is no, because I think there's so right. much hysteria over it right now that it's like, I, it could be like the biggest IPO of all time. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But yeah. it's there's going to be speed bumps before it gets to like actually generating value. Oh, well, that's I'm more of a long term person. Anyway. Yeah. So that, that yes, I agree. Right. Like it's not going to be a slam dunk again. They haven't really I forgot what they did. They they've generated a little bit of revenue, but not not a ton, 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 ton. Relatively speaking, I think it's through um, licensing to Microsoft or something. Well, I know Microsoft's a partner of theirs. Like the, Microsoft's an investor. They put like a billion dollars into it. I don't know. To answer your question, yes, I would, and that'd be a long-term hold. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would wait for them to come down off their IPO high, and then I would buy in and long-term yeah. hold. Yeah. Exciting. Cool, Zach. Well, how about this? I'll cue the music, and uh, we'll get out of here. All right. Are you getting hyped up to? Well, this is fun. Go do your evening. You're gonna yeah. go to bed. It's like 4 p.m. there. I eat dinner.
All right. Good, Good night, night Zach. Special ending in 20 minutes. Good night, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>